No idea what's coming. Enthusiasm. Tired of all the pain of feeling here in the world. Every day. The ice is gonna break! It wasn't just a puppy. Don't push it, I'll give you a word you won't believe. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people. I'm afraid I can't do that. See if they could become something more. We've been face to face. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about, do you? But I will not hesitate. Not for a second. I'm Michael Morgan, the host of the brand new TV and film review podcast, Trash OMFG, which launches on December 50, 2020. You'll probably know me from my other ongoing podcast projects, The Wocast and Shots 5. Because it's all part of the plan. So whether it's news, views or interviews, we're after everything the buddy needs. Look no further than Trash OMFG for all this and more. Spread the word. Bring me everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone! So they can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all those other great podcast platforms. And let's make some magic together. I have waited a long time for this moment. People are always saying about the talk and I talk and I talk and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You've got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to another episode of the Wokecast. Joining me, as always, my sister from another mister, it's G. What's going on, G? Yeah. What up? What's going on? <laughs> you know something? I was licking my lips yesterday watching what you were up to in terms of antics on the timeline. You had a tremendous, or it looked tremendous, piece of pizza on your timeline did you actually eat that or was this like a stock image because it looked tremendous oh no that was a screenshot of someone else's pizza because i saw it and was like (laughs) i took a screenshot of it and was like y'all i have to order something like this oh my god i gotta make i thought it was yours no in fact i i strayed from where i usually order pizza tried something different and got a very Mm. mediocre new york pizza so there were no photos or <laughs> uploads of my dinner last night because it was so mediocre. But it hit the spot. I'm still happy. I had pizza. The craving is is gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I typically get um, pizza for fight night. But yesterday I thought, ah, right, let me just try something a little bit different and got Chinese. But I'm sorry now that I didn't get the pizza because when you when you talk about um, New York pie, but just out of interest, is that different from pizza pie? I, I'm I'm a bit baffled here. No, um, yeah, like when we say, you mean when I say pizza pie? Yeah, and then when you say pizza? Oh, when I say uh, pizza, um, I'm typically just talking about like a pie. If I'm saying a slice, I'll say a slice, but I didn't order a slice last night. I just got like a whole pie. Wow. And it was so mediocre, but it was okay. You know, what are you going to do? Wow, so you're not going to shout out that establishment then that they don't get any props or big ups? No, I'm going to go back to my usuals and whatnot, but I did kind of notice that I wasn't the only person eating pizza, and I just figured out that a lot of people eat pizza on pizza night, because once I uploaded that, motherfuckers is like, me too, G, I'm ordering tonight too, let's go. I was like, are we all eating pizza? Damn. <laughs> oh, man. Well... We had our appetites uh, wetted and satiated, I have to say. Last night, looking at that card, uh, the usual gang has actually come forward before Fight Night to say, ah, well, we're not going to really see much here. Ah, well, it's kind of like Lone Star Power. Ah, yeah, I think I'll catch this one another time. Uh, uh, Corona came and, and, and killed a few cards too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, j- just even before we get into UFC Hermanson versus Vittori, I have become accustomed to Dana White 
casting aside um, the seriousness of Corona, the way in which he talks about it, and especially out of his own mouth, that it's likened to flu. And, um, you know, it's something that we'll all get. Do you think he's finally getting it now, especially when we're talking about, you know, the long term residual effects of it? Is he finally, especially also that, you know, yet another week that we've seen a car decimated by it? Do you think it's finally sinking in? Because I know it's on the, um, well, the, the kind of rhetoric on the press conference yesterday didn't actually allude to the fact that, um, well, this was just akin to flu. Um, do I think he's finally getting it? I think he got it the whole time, but he's just ah. almost like a politician. He's a promoter. His mm. goal is to have fights regardless of what's going on in the world. So what do you do when you do that? You downplay the virus. But yet I'm sure he's getting tested. I'm sure he's probably the safest person at Abu Dhabi and UFC Vegas. But... I'm sure he knows it's serious, but his job is to put on these fights and he can't be out here, you know, sounding weak and, and, and afraid of a virus. So he'd rather call it the flu and keep his business going. But I will mm. say this, Mike, I watched the post-conference, um, con- you know, after the fight, Press the post-conference, right, yeah. right, right. And Dana was like, it's, it's serious and it's spreading. And it was came out of his own mouth. And he, he partic- yeah. yeah, and he particularly said that when he first, when this first came around, he didn't know anyone with it and just maybe an employee or two. And now he's like, mm. everybody's got it. So he's like, it is spreading. But I mean, he been knew that. And, he, you know, but his job is to put on the fights. He's not going to fully admit that this is a horrible situation, though. Mm. And, that, and that's why I asked specifically, because it, it did... For me, it looked as though the penalty had finally dropped or his PR team said, you know what, you like might want to tone down bit. that. that. Yeah. yeah, you might want to tone down that kind of like, like rhetoric that you've been saying yeah. of late. Mm. He has to play both sides of the fence somewhat. Like, And there are times when he turns up the tough guy act and, and, and we're so used to his antics and that tough guy act, it can, it can slide. But when the numbers in Nevada are the highest in the state or whatever, like they're breaking COVID records, you can't exactly talk too much shit. And then all your fights, a lot of your fights are being canceled because of COVID. You got to soften up. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, it's politics. I get it, though. Man. You know... We usually talk about what floated our collective boats um, for the prelims, but because it was decimated to a level where we only had, what, three on the actual prelims, um, I'm doing the gentlemanly thing, and um, I'm letting you have one, and then I'm going to have one, because, as I say, we haven't really got much to choose from. I'm going to start off with Ilya Tapuria versus Damon Jackson. Now, again... G, props to you. Big ups to you. It's only because you said, Mike, watch the prelims. Mike, watch the prelims. That I've got into kind of like the routine of trying to watch every single prelims. And it's because of that kind of like insistence of yours that I saw Ilya Tapuria and his um, debut um, first time around when he was at what? It was Marias versus Sandeg and Yusuf Zalal. Yes, um, He beat him in a decision. He was a beautiful performer. I thought that his fluidity, his movement was all on show. He was basically showcasing his skills. But for this, I mean, it seemed as though he had no time to be showcasing. I've been there, done that. And he destroyed, went in there and just like lay waste to Damon Jackson within the first round. And um, it made me think... Damn, well, he's definitely a finisher. We've seen him in terms of skill set. We've seen the full gamut of what he can do. But this time around, it was like, yeah, I'm out to prove that I'm a a finisher. What did you make of this? I think what happened here is that, I know for me, because like you, I fell in love with him at the Yusef Zalal fight. But I fell in love with him because he was always winning the scrambles and the the grappling exchanges in that fight. And Mm. he clearly showcased that he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So when I heard this fight was being announced with Damon Jackson, I assumed that these two grapplers would go at it because Damon Jackson can... He's just as good as a grappler. He's pretty damn good, and he can whip out a submission at any point Mm. in the fight, which is how he won his last fight. So I just thought, I didn't know that the grappling skills would be canceled out and they would box each other. And I didn't know that Tapura was that good of a boxer. My God, Mike, how smart of it was of of him was to hit the body the way that he did, being he was the shorter fighter. I mean, it set up so many openings for him. In, in, in round adaptability or just basically game planning for this, but it was executed to a T. It looked incredible. 
oh man, he had the upper hand in the boxing. Um, he had the hand speed. Um, the body shots were crippling. And not only that, like I said, it, it opened up the door for Damon Jackson to start dropping his hands. He started to react to the pain of the body shots, and that's when Ilya was able to come over the top and start dropping those crazy hooks that got him the knockout. It's just kind yeah. of beautiful because, you know when you hit the body, mic, you're not only causing pain and suffering, but you're also diminishing someone's gas tank, and you're getting these people to kind of drop their hands, and you're setting other stuff up, and that's what we saw. So I don't know if that yeah. this was an in-cage in adjustment or whether he planned that, but for a shorter fighter to hit the body that he did and to capitalize was incredible i'm impressed genius yeah 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 speaking of impressed what actually uh, impressed you what you bring into the table man uh louise smoker versus jose uh quinones uh first and foremost jose quinones like um, I know I think he lost his last fight, but he's Mexican, bro. Like, he's tough. He stays <laughs> in your face. He moves around. Did you hear, like, every punch? Ha, ha. Like, he just yeah, fights with yeah. passion. So mm. <clears throat> even though he had lost his last fight, I was like, he's still in the game, and this is a great matchup. And I love this frantic crackhead pace that they gave us. They fought like fucking flyweights, and I loved it. But you know, um immediately established like herky-jerky movement, Mike, that to me, you know, was um, giving Smoker a little bit of a problem. He, he um, mm. Jose was not always in the same spot when Louis Smoker tried to counter him. Jose was hitting that lead leg. He had a beautiful takedown. And although Louis was landing a nice right hand, when Jose took Louis down on the ground, I do believe at this point Louis realized that he was the better fighter on the ground. So when round yeah. two came out, you saw him capitalize on that. The fight went to the ground, and you saw Louis Smoker fucking toss him to the ground, first of all, with that arm um, <laughs> in the judo throw, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then take mm -hmm. the full mount, flatten him out, and just pound him out. And I love that he was like, you know what? I'm better on the ground, so that's where we're going, and I'm going to take you out. And that's what we saw, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah perfect, perfect. Well, I, I liked the fact that you picked up on the herky-jerky style because for me, Louis Smoker was getting into his rhythm and I yes. think the whole point of actually adjusting that and like turning it around in the way that, you know, Quinones did was to offset his rhythm. But um, obviously, you know, <laughs> Louis Smoker, um, well, I suppose is more adaptable and yeah. the way that it the way that it kind of like panned out for him was obviously perfect. Yeah, he read the room. He was like, okay, mm. I can't really gauge your footwork. You're throwing me off and you're killing my lead leg. <laughs> but wait till we get down on the ground. And he threw him to the ground and got it done. Yeah. So I, I like yeah. that very smart. And I like Louis Smoke. I believe he struggled with alcohol. He's very open about it. He's recovering. And when mm. he's not drinking and he's in recovering, he fights sharp. So I like that little story that comes with him as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, speaking of stories, the, the next, um, I mean, as we are segueing now into the uh, main card, for me, the story of this, Matt Wyman, uh, tough versus Jordan Levito, um, uh, what, that Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender. Yeah, Jordan Levito. I mean, Levitt. talk about, yeah, sorry, Jordan, what did I say? Jordan Wright. Some, it was something funky, like leave something. <laughs> like you almost had it, but I'm like, Levitt. Jordan Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. No, jo right. Let's give me his full title anyway, Jordan the Monkey King Levitt. There you go. Um, the, speaking of Monkey King, the way that he kind of like wrapped him up and just brought him over to the other side of the, the cage. Um, well, after almost being instructed he was, too. <laughs> like, yeah, bring him over here, bring him to your say, corner. Yeah, owning him. And then within seconds, that, that KO body slam was just horrific. I was screaming out loud, man, he did. Because <laughs> one of the things as well, it kind of like baffles me. Look, if we can uh, observe slams like that because effectively what he did landed on his head the back of his why head is ba yeah why 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 strike to the back of the head still banned yeah because it's like you can do them with a slam you mm. know so exactly and we've seen it time and time again um yes andrage did it to rose and rose um, that's right you know we've seen it even back in the day with like um what's his name what's the fighter that everybody hates now um didn't Rampage do it? Yes, to... Rampage did it. Oh, my memory is terrible. But slams are pretty prevalent in the UFC. But if you do them correctly yeah. and still slam someone on the back of the head, 
Yeah, you, you can, that's right. Yeah. I mean, Matt Hughes was, um, he slammed somebody, I believe, back in the day. It was pretty hideous. Mm. And yeah, I, you know what was scary about this one? How it sounded. Did you hear it? Yes. That's what I'm saying. That is the sound of a man's skull bouncing off the canvas. Oh, it was horrible. And also, too, <laughs> mm. it, it was horrific. You knew, the, you knew the shit was going to be horrible when Jordan framed his elbow on his neck. And then, yes, and then yes. at that moment, if you notice, he like catapults his lower body and then brings him up and then slams him. So it's just kind of mm. like everything in motion was so perfect, except for the fact that he slammed him on the back of the head. Of course, he got the win, but it was horrific. Man, but here's the funny thing. Not funny, but I called this on Twitter. I was like, be prepared to see oh, Matt really? Wyman get injured. Yeah, I said it. I was. I didn't say it as beautifully as that. You know me on Twitter. I mm. was like, we're going to see Matt Wyman die tonight. And, <laughs> and But what I meant was, in my humor, what I meant was like, we're going to see this guy get injured. And in my voice tweet, I said that. I was like, don't be surprised if we see him get injured. Be why? He's not really fighting well right now since his return, mm. right? Okay, when he fought Luis Pena, he got TKO'd in the third round, but even it wasn't competitive. Luis was having his way with him. Then in mm. D.C., um, Joe Selecki fought this dude. Joe was beating him up on the feet and controlling him on the ground. I was in D.C. like, this is, I didn't even like that fight. It was so not competitive. It was just like, why does Matt Wyman keep fighting? And then lo and behold, 22 seconds in the first round, a contender series pup slams this guy to unconsciousness. Yeah. And, a, and then a part of me, too, was like, bro, put your feet down. You're going for a ride. Why aren't you? Let go. <laughs> like, I don't want to see It was baffling. And, and that's just, just the thing. Look, Dana last night made no secret of the fact that, look, 60-odd fighters are actually going to be let go. And I have to say, I call this, I call this way back in the summer when we were talking about the fact that, look, there are going to be some savage cuts because... The money's got to be found somewhere. They have actually taken a hit financially. And um, part of the actual running cost of the UFC, which actually costs them um, substantially, are the fighters and the way in which they're paid. So don't be surprised, I remember saying, yeah. that you're going to see some savage and quite swinging cuts. So here we go. Before the end of the year, 60-odd fighters, Dana announced at the press conference last night, or... Um, uh, definitely uh, in the sniper scope to be cut and if you ask me I know this is going to sound really savage but let's just call it as it is one I don't want to see Matt Wyman fight again two he is definitely in the sniper scope to be cut he should have been cut already like it, you don't mm. always have to lose three uh, fights in a row in you a row, can yeah. also have like a horrific fight um, Elias Theodora had a very strange performance against Derek Brunson mm. and he won that fight I think, I'm not sure, I don't have it up in front of me, but he was cut for that type of performance. It was one yeah. fight. Either he won one or he lost, but Dana did not like his performance. And the fans complained about it. Derek Brunson had trouble adjusting to what he was doing. And it, was, it wasn't it was tantalizing to the eye, and he got cut. And I just don't mm. understand how Mike Wyman got another fight after like being in so many fights and they weren't competitive. Like I don't even like watching him fight because it's so one-sided. And now I think, he's getting nailed. <laughs> yeah, you see, Matt, Matt Wyman strikes me as one of those people, because of the history of him being on Tough and the fact that I think he's quite intertwined, or somebody in his camp is quite intertwined with Dana, that he's able to have those conversations. A, to get him back in the UFC. Remember, he was actually, um, he, he, he took quite a hiatus out of the UFC to get back in the UFC but not only that after being on this kind of like losing streak to get this fight I think that kind of conversation had been had either with his people or Matt Wyman um, directly oh, because definitely. it makes you think how is he able to be in the octagon given like the types of or the type of run that he was on yeah absolutely you know and then it's just it's his performances like the man mm. fight old school the man just the game has <laughs> passed him please lord you know and i just feel so bad because we we don't want to see him fight anymore but it's like we don't know his finances this is a yeah. horrible time in the world and mike every week you remind us to like get used to this but we really shouldn't need to be reminded to get used to this and we really should be humanizing these fighters more often because 
all of us have been affected by this uh, virus. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of us have gone home and thought, if we stay in lockdown for this long, we could be furloughed. We could be let go. I've had these thoughts. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that because, you know, this mm. has affected me as well. So it's also going to affect the sport and the UFC and the people that we love watching fight. You know, like yeah. it's that simple. You know, you're going to cut people that are expensive, but also not title contenders. Kind of like, yo, I get why he was cut, but it's still a shocker to me. But we're in the middle of a pandemic, and people are forgetting, too, the UFC is no longer making money from fans. Yeah. They are no longer in attendance. They are no longer bringing up the value and the revenue of the of the UFC. And fans not only play for tickets and pay-per-views, fans get hotels where the you know mm-hmm. where the UFC has deals with hotels and yeah, there's mm-hmm. all types of side deals that we don't know about because we're not in the business. And they are missing tons of revenue. So the people at the bottom are gonna start to get cut, just like we are, Mike, <laughs> at our jobs. So I feel bad no, for No, but them. it's true. I feel bad for it's them. It's true. Yeah, when he it's said, true. when Dana announced that 60 people were coming and more cuts were coming, he said it mm. almost in a callous way because he sits at the top. He ain't going nowhere. But I bet you when he said that, everybody's butt cheeks got tight. Everybody was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You know? You know, you, you say it as though this won't have any implications for the internal machinery of the UFC. Do you remember that time that he came out and he said, nobody's going to lose their jobs? I knew as soon as those words were uttered, one, how can you see in the future? This is going to have far-reaching implications for every single business on the planet. So why would yours be left untouched? Exactly. And sure as eggs is eggs, we're in this conversation now. And it won't be long until you start to see a trimming of the fat in terms of the internal machinery of how the UFC operates. And to be honest with you, Mike, let's just keep it real. A lot of people got emails saying, hey, we know it's hard times right now, but you're good. And then as soon as the lockdown continued, guess what? There were talks of being furloughed your mm-hmm. salary being changed or the, or you might even be let go if the company that you work yeah. for doesn't have the money to to pay you and that's mm. what's happening with the ufc they're rolling with the punches of a pandemic the same way we are all of us got mm. sent home to work from remote since when every day i get dressed and go to work <laughs> now i'm working from home it's strange you know and that affects yeah. the money that's why I feel so bad for them. You know, I feel hard. When he made that announcement, I know somebody got up and started pacing. Can you imagine the Chris Weidmans, the people that are expensive mm. but also having, like, a tough time in the UFC? Yeah. Don't go too deep in it because this is the subject which I'm actually bringing Ooh. to Shots Fired okay, on Thursday's edition. Mm. The thing is, I know this is going to sound like a bit of an asshole move, but as you know, we do talk straight no chaser yeah. on Shots Fired. I want people to think about those people who, you know, have been propped up until now and, you know, come up with a a short list. Let's each pick three people who, you know, it looks as though the sword of Damocles is actually going to fall. And it's not going to be pleasant, but, you know, it's going to be um, come. It was going to come as no surprise. The sort of names which I think are actually going to be discussed. Mike, have you logged into MMA Twitter? Right now, my DMs is full of someone sending me the cut, the possible cuts per division. The super fans really? are on it. <laughs> the super fans wow. are on it. Why do you think Chris Weidman popped into my head? I've already had this discussion online. Like, we are all <laughs> like, who you got? Who do you think is going? Mm, because mm. once we saw Yo get cut, because Yo has a fan base. Like, I tweeted, like, who is going to follow Yo to wherever the fuck he goes? People are still liking that tweet because we are all going to follow him and set alarms if he goes to one China, Asia, Guam, or Mars. We're going to watch him mm. fight. And you cut why someone like such that? A, yeah, but why was it such a shock? When you look at the landscape, let's just take into consideration we are in new territory here. Mm. People are losing their jobs across the board, so why not UFC fighters? This is a man, yeah, but this is a man that even Dana had to admit, he has lost four, sorry, what, four of his last five. Yeah. Now, who keeps their job in that scenario when you have to trim the fat? 
Because we're human beings, Mike. We're not we're not mm. humanizing these fighters and Dana White. We just love these people. We love the violence yeah. and we want what we yeah. want. It wasn't until that I compared the UFC to what I've been through as in in regards to the pandemic, meaning it's a true story. Yeah. I got an email like, we good, y'all, hang in there. Then after a couple of weeks of not going to work and everybody working remote, things got a little strange. Emails weren't mm-hmm. as confident, you know? So it's just like, if I'm going through that as Joe Schmo Gina, exactly that's what's going on in the UFC. And hello, Gina, wake up. This You're in a fucking pandemic. This is happening in Brazil. Yeah. In Chicago, in Germany, there's someone right now like, I might lose my job if they don't like loosen up these lockdowns. Same thing mm-hmm. is going on with the UFC. And let's not forget, the UFC has a, um, a cage, a whole system set up at the apex in Las Vegas in the heart of COVID in the, in the United States. Nevada is drowning in it. So people's jobs are going to get got. Oh, wow. I didn't actually appreciate that Nevada was the epicenter. For some reason, in my mind, it was Florida. It's turning into it, slowly but surely. Wow. It's, uh, there's certain hotspots in the U.S., and Nevada is, is catching up on their tails. It's one of them. It, it, it most certainly is Florida. It's most certainly Texas is really doing really bad, and the Dakotas. But Nevada's mm. numbers and their hospitalizations are increasing by the day. So it's becoming, wow. it's on the fringe of a hotspot. And... Our, our um, UFC apex is in the heart of that. That's going to affect business. And right now we're in a time, Mike, where we're, go- we're figuring out things as we go. So things are going to mm. change. So I, I, I understand that Dana wanted to tell everybody, you guys are good, you guys are good. But that was the beginning of the pandemic. Now yeah. we're in the second yeah. wave. It's wow. sad, Mike. I, I feel bad for them. I really do. Mm. I mean, speaking of... Nevada in getting back to the apex. Roman Delidze and John Allen. Um, I don't know what the judges were watching, but for me, this was not a split decision win. Delidze, I have to say, um, was performing in an almost workmanlike fashion. And we were talking like, you know, for, for one of a better expression, it was like a one-sided beatdown. Now, I know that the way in which he dropped him or dropped uh, John Allen within the first round was via a headbutt, but he dropped him nonetheless. And like the frightening pace that he put on, okay, kind of like slowed down towards the end of the third, but that was a frightening pace considering what we were looking at there. This was someone who was, yes, he was very much in the game. John Allen was very much fighting back. But for, for me, for me, it was as though he was coping it wasn't as though, you know, there was anything there that was threatening. Now, I don't know what the judges were seeing, but I certainly didn't see a split decision win there. This no. was one-sided. In fact, the, I'm going to put the judge out there. Um, his name is Chris Lee, and, uh, you know, mm. Dominic uh, Cruz is still in his feelings about his last fight, so he's quick to, like, demonize judges and referees, so he let all the tea out last night on the broadcast. He was like, the judge's name is Chris Lee, and he's a boxing judge that don't know what the fuck he's looking at, he better learn. And I was like, damn, T, damn, Dom, tell us how you really feel, but it's true. Apparently, there's some boxing ref on, on the commission, and this is the second time that he's give, he's had, like, a suspicious type of fight. In the previous fight, he thought Felder won the fight, Wow. <laughs> it, yeah, the last fight Felder had, he, he had him as um, winning, Chris Lee. And then now Chris Lee thought John Allen won that fight. When we all saw that John Allen just, he drowned a little bit. He, he was down yeah. to fight, but he was drowning. Mm. Roman had time to stick his tongue out, control him on the bottom, go for sloppy leg locks, have a little bit of fun. You know, It was just, it, it was a unanimous decision. So Is this the same Chris smelling like? cigarettes and booze lee is this the same guy no no that was i think am i confusing another ref yeah that that ref was keith peterson and and Uh, any chance dom cruz can kind of like talk about how that stoppage (laughs) he will you know it'll come up in the broadcast trust me just Mm. just wait for the for him to hate on keith but it's it's coming but i don't know and shout out to georgian fighters i noticed that they're kind of making their way Ilya to um is a Georgian fighter, Delizzi, like they're they're making their way in this in the in the game, and I like it. Mm-hmm. But even though that he won, Mike, I still saw some sloppy exchanges with him. So he he needs a little bit more work, and somebody can beat this guy. But Roman fought a good fight yeah. last night. Oh, one hundred percent. What did you make of Gabriel um, Benitez and Justin James? 
Um, I had no idea until after the fight that Benitez was fighting with such intensity because his boxing coach recently died. And his yeah. post-fight speech almost brought me to tears because it's like it kind of mm. made sense. Like Gabriel goes hard and he is a kick boxer he knows enough on the ground to be all right but this man is a kickboxer if you didn't notice you saw the sharp that combinations vicious knee to the body the man. knee to the body you saw the heavy mm. kicks to the body this man is a kickboxer but i felt like he was fighting with such intensity because he does like to counter he's a guy that likes to counter and he played that game with sadiq yosef and he got knocked out but in this fight he came forward and also was able to fight on the back foot and I think he was fighting like that because of the, the passion of the boxing coach, and it, and it was dope. It was added that extra umph. But that knee was gorgeous. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely vicious. That vicious knee to the body. Pinpoint accuracy was all Ooh. that she wrote. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think um, I do believe he, he's going to get like a fight of the night or he's going to get some type of under-the-table bonus. I know he's getting a little extra money for that hopefully he gets it delivered in a uh, in a gift bag and it be all cash notes that apparently uh, happened with uh, Figueredo didn't it yeah like um <laughs> there's a lot of under the tables or like hey I'm gonna give you 50 g's too which also makes me happy like some you know people you know, you know something I saw a lot of people or a few people giving out about the fact that um Figueredo received that cash payment and the way it was delivered in a, in a gift bag. I don't know about you, but if someone gave me 50 G's in a gift bag, I wouldn't be complaining. It would make no odds to me. I'd just be happy to receive it. I think the only people complaining were online. I never saw Figgy yeah. complain once. Like, I don't think he gives a damn <laughs> if it came in a shoebox or in gift wrapping. He wanted that 50 yeah. K for his bank account. You, mm. know, people, you know, we can get upset about anything nowadays. I mean, it's cool. I don't complain too much about it, but like... You can't pay them no mind. You know how many times I've tweeted, like, the damn fighter isn't even as upset as you. Go away. <laughs> Out of my mentions. <laughs> I Actually, now it's coming back to me now. The person who um, I think either sparked off the discussion or added fuel to it was Trent Reinsmith when he was saying oh, it was almost as though... It was almost as though um, what we were witnessing here was like when a pole dancer gets tips. They oh. were, like, thrown money literal money and we're talking hard cash uh and tucking it into you know um figueredo's boxes now personally like i say i haven't really got an issue with that no i don't have an issue with it either but i also don't have an issue with the messenger i'm not ready to go on his mentions and call him a cocksucker like everybody does you know what i'm saying like (laughs) trent Trent is for the people he's for the fighters Mm. of course trent was like that wasn't nice it should not have been in gift wrap. I get it. That's his That's his job. Like, he feels passionate about them being treated properly. It doesn't mean go in his mentions and destroy him. You just don't like his angle. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling, you know, I mean, Trent Ryan Smith breathing in and out just brings yeah, people to his just, mentions. Yeah. So they'll get there anyway. Exactly. You get likes and clout if you fucking retweet to comment him and call him a cocksucker. So it's become popular wow. to just kind of drag him. But don't forget that his message is he's pro fighter <laughs> mm. you know next up Jamahal Hill versus Ovin St. Prue now my boy Jamahal Hill did the business when he came on the show um, it must have been about I think it was either when was it end of March mm-hmm. March beginning of April um, his energy his aura you know what was coming next It's in the same vein as Conor McGregor. This is someone to watch. This is someone to take seriously. This is someone (laughs) who should be on your radar. The kid is special. Jamahal Hill is one to watch. Can we call him special without someone threatening him on the ground yet? (laughs) (laughs) You said serious question. You know, this is serious. I'm asking you a serious question. Can we make that without somebody? Remember, we did it with Izzy. Adesanya mm-hmm. until he fought Marvin yes. Vittori and Kevin yeah. Gastelum. Like, I am ready to jump on ship. I'm on board when he smokes mm. a grappler that is going to force him to, to fight off his back or whatnot. Do you feel comfortable calling him special without that threat? I would think... Why was um, I holding my breath? I was like... <laughs> well, you know something? 
we we haven't you're right seen him tested on the ground but what we have seen is the threat of a takedown which he has stuffed which he has dealt with which he has remained standing and i remember one fight i saw his balance was just ridiculous it was almost as though he was a gymnast so that's why i'm i'm saying it in the vein of conor mcgregor because a lot of people were saying the same thing about him early doors mm-hmm. to say you know when his ground game gets tested that's when you're going to see yeah, the full I'm test of, of this people. man and yep. he'll be falling off uh, your radar pretty quickly but now just hearing him speak being in conversation with him seeing the clever way in which he attacked this fight did you notice he had the clever tactic of going downstairs for round one relentlessly controlling the way in which the pace of this fight was actually going he was pushing the pace we're talking about Obin sent through a vet here we're talking about someone who has been in the trenches someone who has actually been battle tested but this young buck this young upstart had him well almost looking pretty ordinary but then the second round came around and then he went head hunting and i thought wow i love the way in which he established a rhythm in the first and just switched it up completely in the second and he went head hunting oh, and now absolutely. i mean look where we are he's undefeated still definitely oh. one to watch man oh yeah i'm i'm not i agree with you he's one to watch and I'm just not ready to call anyone a phenom until we get the final test of whatever we haven't mm. seen. Then I'm on board. You understand? Like once Izzy beat Marvin Vittori, I was like, oh, yeah, right. those takedown defenses during that fight were impressive. I was sold and I wasn't concerned when Kelvin, when everyone was like, Kelvin's a wrestler. Same thing here. You give Jamal somebody that's going to test his wrestling a bit more or his grappling and he knocks this person out. And I'm I'm going to be sold. But as far as his performance with OSP, beautiful performance. And Mike, I agree with you. This dude was headhunting. But, yeah. until, but he could not find the range for the headshot, the kill shot. So what he did was hit the body until he figured that shit out. Mm. And that's why I was so worried for um, OSP in the first round. I was like, he's already hunting for your head. He's just missing because he doesn't establish rage. At some point, he's going to knock OSP out. Like, you could tell that this was going to happen. Were you not, like, nervous because you're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit? Like, I felt that way watching the fight. Like, at some point, Jamal's going to land. And I'm like, how is this happening? OSP is a vet. He's really good at using his um, kicks and, and finding range and keeping people on the outside. Like, in his last fight against Alonzo Manyfield, he fought like the vet that me and you thought was going to show up to this fight. He kept Alonzo on the outside and dictated the pace of the fight and stayed in front of Alonzo's face while he completely thought he was going to stay with the same strategy. And instead, he appeared to be a bit sluggish. And I thought he should fight mm-hmm. in the Southport stance um, more frequently. You know, I did ag- agree with Trevor Whitman's you know cornering when he pops up, love it. And I did agree. I was like, he's landing more shots when he's Southpaw, but he didn't go with it. And also, too, Jamal hasn't been tested on the ground. Cut the distance, try to put him on put him on his back or maybe put him against the cage, something. And we didn't see that. And Jamal took advantage of that and decapitated him while standing. It was beautiful yeah. performance. Yeah. I'm sold. And I'm I'm and you know what? No more easy fights for Jamal. I'm not saying easy? give him top five. <laughs> what? Not Whoa. easy fights. Whoa. I'm not, let me take that. OSP is not easy. Exactly. That's why we don't give him like he needs to go up in the rankings. Mm. All know? right. You need to give him. Seems yeah. like we're here. We need to who? Because I'm thinking she. immediately Anthony Smith. You ready? Yeah. No, not maybe Smith. <laughs> maybe Smith. Give him Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute. Yes. Jimmy Crute I think over that's Anthony good. Smith. Really? I think either one is mm. good. I think either one is good. I agree with your pick, but I also like mine. Jimmy is dangerous right yeah. now. Is he, yes. what, 13 or 14? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like an uncle. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you low in the rankings, but we pretty much know you're going to make yeah. it up these rankings in a bit. You know, give him Jimmy Crute. I think that's a perfect matchup. It's almost like Magni and Shemayev mm. to me. It's perfect. After Shemayev beat the shit out of Mirshat, you don't give him Usman or Leon Edwards. You give him... Magni, same thing here. Jamal Smith got past a hard ass vet, no problem. You give him this dude, Jamal Hill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jamal. Excuse me. Yes, (laughs) Jamal Hill got past OSP. Now you give him Jimmy Mm. Cruz, who's also searching. Mm. Who you know? That's that's me. But I do also like your pick. Yeah. 
Well, because Anthony Smith is almost in gatekeeper status yes, to me right you now. Know, so why not? You know, I, I, I didn't want to say that. I don't want to use the, uh, the, the, the GK yeah. word, but he's coming across uh, looking very much like a gatekeeper these days. And um, yeah, I. He, he's kind of. I said it on shots fired, like you, begrudgingly, but I do think it's okay. I think we can start going in that direction. I said it last week too, and I felt the same way you did. Like I was hesitant because mm. it's Anthony Smith, but it's like. My dude, you might be that guy now. It, it's not even you that. You know why I was saying, or you know why I was saying it hesitant, hesitantly? Mm-hmm. I don't know any fighter that likes to refer to themselves as a gatekeeper exactly. because that kind of has um, journeyman status it, in my book. Yes. And I think in a lot or of people's Or that you're guys, kind of war-torn. Like, you're just good enough to kind of beat up the babies <laughs> coming up. Like, yeah. you can't be the champ. Like, you war-torn, you know? I know that's why I'm hesitant to use it because if they listen to the yeah, show or uh, if a lot of people keep saying mm, that, you know they don't want to nah. hear that. And if you notice people in that position be like, I just want to have fun now. They're never like, I, I enjoy being a gatekeeper. I like beating up these pups. No, they'd be like, I'm just, you know, having fun. Mm. So they, they don't ever acknowledge that they're gatekeepers. Which is the weird so. thing because we're throwing this term out there, gatekeeper, but yet we're talking about a man who has actually said these were his actual words look i was supposed to have won that when he was talking about his last matchup now for me that smacks of gatekeeper that smacks of look i'm the litmus test by which all fighters coming through these ranks at which i am actually sitting right now if they get through me then they're good enough then what are you you are a gatekeeper yeah, yeah, and we could, we've got quite a few. Look at JDS is fighting who next? Surreal Ganya. We know what that is. There you go. You got to get past JDS mm. if you want to, you know. And JDS, you know, his his job is to make sure that young man doesn't get past. Yeah. Him. But JDS ain't fighting for no title anytime soon. Mm. And also, too, I know you're going to bring this up for shots fired, but let me just throw that in mm. there. Those are the people that I think Ooh. are going to get their heads chopped <laughs> off and Mike. For shots fired too. For I know we're going to talk about mm. this, but we're also going to have to talk about favoritism and that the UFC doesn't do things fair. Oh no! Rachel Ostrovich has not been cut. I just want to put that out there. She has not been cut yet. Sixty people have she. to go before the end of the year, and when my list comes around, you better believe that Rachel Ostrovich is going to really? be on it. I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. No, we're gonna cluck. We're gonna <laughs> cluck on. Um, <laughs> Well, Shots Fire, I cannot wait mm. for the four of us to get together and just gossip you know, about who we think is going and why. Before we get there, though, Jack Hermanson mm-hmm. versus Marvin Vittori. Yes, yes, yes. I've got to say, I found a newfound respect for Marvin Vittori. Because for me, oh, yeah. he was a lot of gas. Mm-hmm. He was a lot of fluffle. He was a lot of um, air in terms of, I don't really think, or I didn't think that, he believed his rhetoric. He surely does. I mean, look what he did there. Last minute gamble which paid off amazingly definitely improved his ranking definitely improved his visibility and i I thought that rafael cordero's coaching was exemplary told him exactly what he needed to hear throughout and basically it looked as though he was waning towards the um latter end of that fight but man cordero's words lit a fire in him what did you make of it? And I, I think Cadero's words were, were, like you said, perfection in the corner. Mm. Every time the, ca- the camera went back there with him, and I, I felt like I was being coached. Shit. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yeah. no, for real, I was no, like, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. Because um, it just, he, he speaks to him in a way where it resonates with me mm. and you and Marvin. Mm. It's, it's just real talk. Like, I would like, I, he was like, I prefer to say that you lost this round. And I was like, that's true. Break it down easy to him, but be real with him. He lost the, you know, he lost the, um, what was it, the third round, I believe. But here's the thing. We have to give Marvin Vittori props for being a very coachable fighter. Mm. That young man hears everything that coach says, and he fucking does it. And I watched it. And not only that, Mike, in preparation for this fight, I watched um, his fights at work 
on Fight Pass, and I watched them in chronological order. And what I failed to realize is this, is that he got better with every fight that I watched under the tutelage of Rafael Cadero. That's why we saw that beautiful straight left hand all goddamn night. I was a bit worried you about know, that like, because I'm not ooh. a fan of just single shots if you feel as though you're going to dominate a fight. And that seemed to be his game plan. And um, okay, to But what, wasn't it perfect though? Yes, you're, you're right. Absolutely right. That's what I said. I've got a newfound respect for him because that when I saw that I was like really this is how you feel you're going to win the fight and he just kept sticking but then you're that like, out it's working. all day yeah <laughs> and it was also too like even though it was like almost like this very accurate not a power shot straight mm. left it was it was setting up for some really um, beautiful one twos for instance in the first round he dropped him because he kept hitting him with that left but it set it up for that power one two shot yeah. and Jack couldn't take the two collapsed on the floor mm. and that's when Marvin jumped on his neck and also ground and pounded him in that frantic way that we saw in round one so it's like you gotta give it's weird to see him use that left just a pot shot type of way mm. but then he also knew when to add a one two and it was effective it was just so, and I'm telling you, Mike, I noticed in each fight that Marvin Vittori got better, and I didn't really notice that because, you know, they don't fight in sequence. Yeah. When you watch a fighter, when you do fight footage and you watch every fight in sequence, mm. it's different. Mm. You see the progression, and then you notice, who's in this corner? Rafael Cordero, <laughs> holy shit, that was me. And then shout out to MMA Twitter. Like someone on MMA Twitter told me, hey, Jack struggles with a southpaw. And ain't that what we saw? Yeah. Exactly Shit, what we saw. My God, Jack just kept throwing hooks, and I'm at home like, th please throw a right head kick. Mm -hmm. Please throw a right head kick. And also, too, where was Jack's left hand? Where was his jab? Where, like, I loved his dirty boxing, and when he came in on the inside, he landed some beautiful hooks and um, uppercuts. He was timing them shits perfectly when he got in the pocket. However, when they were in the center of the cage and, and there was distance between them, I wanted Jack to throw up some type of straight left or a right head kick mm -hmm. so bad, mm -hmm. and it wasn't happening. It was hook after hook after hook driving me crazy but beautiful performance on Marvin's part and Jack Hermanson never gave up not once and I was impressed with him too. yeah and I loved his defense as well because one thing I was about to say about Jamal Hill um, that uh, Jack Hermanson kind of like kept throwing out and that was the leg checks basically checking the, the kicks um, mm -hmm. kind of like saved his bacon to a, to a certain extent towards well in, in the opening stanzas of the first and the second because they were coming like viciously from Marvin Vittori but he just kept checking them and you could see yeah. when he got up after the fifth like his leg was dead his leg was trash but yeah, his toe was broken yeah but going back to Jamal yeah. um, Hill no leg kicks uh, were checked at all by him. It was like he gave no Fs. He was like moving forward with the swiftness. He wanted the kill shot. <laughs> yeah. He wanted the head shot. He wanted it from first round to when we finally got it. And all he had to do was figure out the range. He was not a... You know what it was? It was one of those performances where like, I don't believe Jamal Hill respected the striking of OSP. And OSP did not do anything to keep Jamal Hill from coming yeah, in like that. Yeah, true, true. There was no like, ooh, he hits hard. Like Jamal Hill was like, let me rethink that and come in a different way. Mm. No, it was, I'm just coming in here and at some point I'm going to land. I feel for Jack though. I mean, going back to Hermanson and oh, Victoria, yeah, I, feel because, <laughs> I feel for him because... He, I really do feel, um, has been set back by this. And, um, okay, it's not a massive setback, oh. but now, you know, basically Vittori has taken his spot. Vittori is worthy of being in the number four position. Now, if you look at how many places like, he's climbed up in terms of rankings, he's right to be calling for Boracina, uh next. He's right to be calling for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have some matchups in mind, too. And I, to be honest with you, I don't really agree with you. I do agree that Marvin is going to take Jack's spot, but I don't feel like Jack is going to fall too far down. Mm. I, I still think he's that good. And I think with, like, one more win, and if he does it in spectacular fashion again, if he, if he pummels somebody with his beautiful ground and pound, or if he grabs somebody's leg real quick and takes it off, we're going to be talking about Jack again, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. However... Jack would do some good, maybe fight Derek Brunson. Derek, you know what I mean? Derek, like, if you want him to come back down a little bit because Marvin's going to take his place, why not Jack against uh, Derek Brunson or keep the original yes, fight? Yes, I was about to say, I would still Darren like Till. to see him versus Darren Till because yeah. one of the things I was kind of like looking at last night was 
if that Jack Hermanson that we saw take on Marvin Vittori face Darren Till, I'm not so sure that he'd get through Darren Till. I really don't. And that's why I still really want to see that fight. How about you? Thoughts? I think I think Jack can beat Darren Till, to be honest. With, nah, hold on, hold on, hold on. The key thing is, with that performance that we saw last night, yeah, I don't. I don't think um, Darren Till and Marvin Vittori uh, fight the same mm. way. And I, I think Darren Till has really good takedown defense, but um, I think like that straight left hand would be a problem for Jack Hermanson. I'm convinced. Yes, and and we all know that Darren Till has a straight yeah. left hand. But I think Jack is is good enough to contest with him. Mm. I I don't know. I'm big on Jack, so maybe I'm biased. But I'm impressed with his last minute. Grappling, I like his ground and pound. I'm sold on it as well. Plus, so I, I don't know. Plus, bring it to the table. You aren't a fan of Darren Till either. No, and it's not just like his shenanigans outside of the you know the UFC, mm-hmm. which I don't like either. But I'm one of those people that think that he was not developed well enough, and thus why he always has chess matches with people that are elite. Yeah, you know, I I, I think he should have went the Marvin Vittori route. When I watch old footage of Marvin Vittori, it's when I realize he's been fighting in the UFC for a while. Mm, mm. It's just recently until he got loud and kind of obnoxious did we start paying attention to him. And then he's a brute that kept winning. So we were like, okay, okay, guy, who are you? That is the career that Darren Till, I think, should have had instead of kind of being catapulted to Woodley after just decimating old ass cowboy. Mm. You know, so, but back to Jack, I, I could still see him fight Darren Till. I think it would be a close fight. Either one could win. But if you have to drop Jack down, I know this isn't as like a sexy as matchup, but Derek Brunson, we have to consider him in this division. True. He's he's he he's a pretty good fighter. We have to we can't let we have to like come to terms with that. Just because he loses horribly mm. doesn't mean he's not a good fighter. He's really good. And we have to throw him in the mix with some of these guys. And if Jack is going to fall off a bit, fall back down to Derek Brunson and let's see what he can do with him. I hear that. I hear just, that. But that's just me, though. <laughs> but what I, oh, but real quick, though, mm. okay. Marvin Vittori, I'm down with um, Paula Costa and him fighting. Yes. Why not? 100%. Why not? Before we go, any more for any more before we wrap up the show? Man, I think I just want to save all everything that I have for shots fired. Can't wait. I'm ready to talk about these cuts, yeah, and just like the stuff that you know when we get together and cluck. I cannot wait. This is <laughs> our show is business. Like we break it down, we talk about the fights. But Wednesday is when we act a fool. So yeah, Sunday's business in terms of recording. Wednesday nights is pleasure. <laughs> yeah, we just we just we go wild. <laughs> dumpster fires mm. like we a mess. <laughs> Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Worldcast. We will be back in the week with the rest of the gang, Chisanga and Kairos for Shots Live. Until then, make some trouble. Make some trouble.